Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Paul is talking about his own personal Mara when he says, Lest I should be exalted above measure... Through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, necessities, persecutions, distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. It was to keep Paul from being overexalted, exalted above measure. Why? Because the Lord had given to Paul so many revelations of truth, and Paul know, knew, knew that uh, Paul, Paul and the Lord knew that these could have very easily gone to Paul's head and make him proud, with people saying, oh, Paul, 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 you see so much truth. None of us see that. That could have caused Paul to be exalted above measure. So God said, wait a minute, I got a remedy for this. It's a thorn in the flesh. Here you go, Paul. It's Satan, it's the devil. He's gonna beat you around with this. And three times, Paul asked the Lord to take it away, take it away, take it away. And, 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 And God said, No, 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 my grace, my grace, my grace. It's enough for you. And then Paul makes a complete reversal, a complete reversal, and he says, okay, if it's not gonna be taken away and God wants me to have it, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. I'll take pleasure in my infirmities when I'm weak, I'm strong. He'd come to the place. There was a coming to the place in in this history here of Paul where Paul actually loved the acceptance of the will of God. He loved it. That was a reversal. That was a reversal for Paul. It was no more, take it away, take it away. It was now, I love it, I love it, I love it. Because he saw it as the will of God, and he loved the acceptance of the will of God. And that's the key, to not let the bitter waters of Mara come into us and make us our souls bitter. It's to see that God has led us to these bitter events in life, and to love to accept the will of God. Now, the other purpose that God had in bringing Israel to Mar, or this hunger and thirst, is seen in Deuteronomy 8.16. Deuteronomy 8.16, where it says that he was, that he, he brought them there to prove them. What's that mean? To prove them means that God wanted to bring out what was really on the inside, bring out what was in the heart of Israel, and and it did when Israel accused Moses, accused God of wanting to kill them. 
Now, you know, we think that we are such strong believers. We think that, oh, I'm rock solid. Well, it takes the fire of a trial to bring out what's really on the inside. The Laodicean believers, they were totally deceived, totally deceived about the condition of their souls. When they said in Revelation 3.15, Revelation 3.15, and God said to them, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou art cold nor hot. Because thou art lukewarm, I neither cold nor hot. I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, I'm increased with goods, I have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried the fire that thou mayest be rich, white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, that shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Anoint thine eyes with eye salt that thou mayest see. See, they thought that they were spiritually rich. They didn't need anything. But God said, you don't know how blind you are. You don't know that you're wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked. How could, they, how could they find this out? How could the Laodiceans find out the reality of their, of, the, of their condition? By trials, by the waters of Mara, by coming to the waters of Mara. Mara brings out what's on the inside so that they can see. So what's God's purpose in our lives when he, when he brings us to the waters of Mara? As David put it this way in Psalm 63, Psalm 63, 1, O God, thou art my God, Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I'll lift up my hands in thy name. It's only when we're in a dry and thirsty land, the waters of Mara, when we, that we long for God. And that's when we see his power and his glory and we end up praising him. And this is what Job said in Job 4.14. Job 4.14. Whosoever, sorry, John. John 4.14, not Job. This is what the Lord said in John 4.14 when he said, whosoever drinketh this water shall thirst again. But, but whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. And that's where the Lord stood and said in John 7, 37, in the last day of the great day of the feast, when he stands up and says, I am, I am. He says, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. In Psalm 87, 7, as, as, as well the singers and the players on instruments shall be, all my springs are in thee. That's what David said. All my springs are in thee. My soul becomes refreshed in thee. Now, the other reason that God brought them to Mara was, as he said again in Deuteronomy 8.16, the last part of Deuteronomy 8.16, he said, to do thee good in thy latter end. To do thee good in thy latter end. You know, Mara was less than 10 miles away from Elam. They didn't know that. They didn't know that. But Mara was less than 10 miles away from Elam. Elam was a wonderful place. I mean, there were cool waters there, palm trees. It wasn't far from Mara. And when they came to Elam, the last verse here in, in, in this chapter says, they encamped there. Who wouldn't? I mean, the cool wells, the waters, the green grass, the palm trees. They said, now this is more like it. But before God brought Israel to Elam, God brought Israel to Mara. Why? 
so that they would appreciate Elam. And so also he could test them and prove them to see, did they really have faith in God's goodness? Did they really have faith that God was going to bring them to Elam? Did they really? He wanted to see, would they believe that God would make Mara pass and that Elam was coming? The question was, Israel, are you going to hold to this conviction that God was good and was going to do you good, even though you're going through the thirst and the disappointment of Mara? Would Israel believe that God had good plans for Israel, even while they were in the bitter bondage of Egypt? Would Naomi, Hannah, Mordecai, Job all believe that God had good plans for them when they were in the bitter waters of their own Mara, when the bitter waters of their own disappointment? That's what faith is. That's what faith is. It's believing that God has good plans during the really hard times of life, during the times of the waters of Mara. God always has this peaceable, he calls it the peaceable fruit of righteousness in Hebrews 12.1. Hebrews 12.1, now no chastening for the moment seemeth to be joyous, but grievous nevertheless afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. They were led to the bitter waters of Marah. It was necessary for Israel to be corrected. It it, it was painful. I mean, it reminds me of when we lived on the goat ranch. And, you know, in case you don't know, goats have horns. And horns are, let me tell you, horns are a big, big problem. A lot of trouble. They gore each other. They get hung up in the chain link. They, 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 They hurt themselves when they get hung up in the chain link fence. And so once a goat has horns, it's kind of too late to remove the horns. You know, some people do. It's a really bad, bad idea because if you use a wire saw to cut the horns off, then you can look right down into the goat's brain, and it's not good to look on the goat's brain. So when the goats are young is the time to prevent them from having horns. We call it dehorning the goats. So when the goats are young, before their horns come in, we make a fire, and we put the dehorning uh, iron in the fire till it was red hot. And then we'd come over with this red hot iron. And, and right on the horn buds and, oh, the, the, the smoke and the, and the scream. And the, and, but that would kill the horn buds so that the goat wouldn't develop any horns. And it was a nerve-wracking job. Also, you don't want to get burned by that thing. And, 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 and so, and, you know, so the, it, but it had to be done. And when God brought Israel to the bitter waters of Marah, that was like a dehorning. It was painful, but it had to be done to humble Israel, to bring out what was in their heart. And bringing us to the bitter waters of Marah, God wants to test us to see if we really believe that God is ultimately going to bring us to the place of Elam. But behind every Marah is an Elam. Behind every Marah is an Elam. I'm, I'm always amazed Whenever I, I, I take a flight at, 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 from San Diego Airport and you get there early in the morning and it's the typical gray marine layer socked in. It looks like it's just looks like England. Uh, no, it looks like England 362 days out of the year. But it just, it, this was terrible. And, 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 it, and, it, and it looks so bad in San Diego because of the cloud cover. And, if you're, and, and, and then the plane takes off and it, it goes up, and it goes right through. It pierces through the clouds. And then there's this glorious sunshine. And you feel like calling everybody down below, hey, it's sunny today. 
You know, it's right over. It's a beautiful sunshine. It, 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 beautiful sunshine in San Diego. All you got to do is take a jet to see it. <laughs> Maras are temporary. Maras are temporary. Elims are temporary too. But it's the Maras and the Elims that show us down here on earth what we need to learn, which is Hebrews 13, 14. Here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. That's what Maras and Elims do for us. The disappointments, the expectations, the disappointments, the expectations, the disappointments, the Maras, the Elims. We, we, Hebrews 13, 14. We need to learn. Here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. And after Amara, God brought an Elim to refresh them. It was really refreshing for them to get there in this place. And Acts 3.19, Acts 3.19 says, Repent you therefore, be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So the issue for Israel and the issue for us is how to respond to the waters of Marah. And verse 24 and 25 looked at together are interesting. Because when you look at that, you'll see two responses to the waters of Marah. First, Exodus 15, 24, 15, 24. The people murmured against Moses saying, what shall we drink? That's the first response. Second, in verse 25, he cried unto the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and ordinance. There he proved them. So what's interesting here is to see how they each used their mouth that God gave them. And God had to emphasize that to Moses in part of his history when he said, who made the mouth? But God gave them their mouth. And under the pressure of Mara, Israel wrongly used their mouth to murmur against Moses and ultimately against God. But under the pressure of Mara, Moses rightly used his mouth when he cried to the Lord. So Moses cried to God in 1525. He cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. See, he cried unto the Lord, and then God showed Moses a tree. Now, do you think there was any way that Moses could have figured that out? Oh, we need a tree, don't you know? There's no way. There's no way that Moses could have figured out how to make those waters sweet by a tree without God showing him. And can you imagine how the people would have said, oh, Moses, you expect us to believe that that tree is going to make all these waters sweet? Because God brought an unexpected change from bitter to sweet. It was unexpected. And Israel they had to be like Moses. What did Moses do? He hear and did. He hear and did. He heard and he did. He heard God and he obeyed. See, and Israel was going through the land that they didn't know. They didn't know anything about this land. There weren't any maps. There was no GPS. And it was just important for them to pray the prayer that we sing. It was actually across from one of the hymns that we sang this morning. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, Pilgrim through this barren land. I'm weak, but thou art mighty. Hold me with thy powerful hand. And that's an illustration of how when we were saved, we cried to God and God showed us a tree. He showed us a cross. Was there any way that we could have known that out of a cross is what we needed to be saved from our sins and to take the bitter out of us and make us sweet? 
Moses cried to God, and God showed him a tree. Abraham was on Mount Moriah when it says in Genesis twenty-two twelve. Genesis twenty-two twelve. He said, "Lay not." The angel said, "Lay not thine hand upon the lad; neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me." Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Abraham was in the same position as Moses. The position of, what are we going to do? What am I going to do? And Abraham looked, and God showed Abraham a ram that he was to offer in the place of Isaac. God showed Moses a tree. And that tree represents the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Moses walked over to that tree, a perfectly healthy, good-looking tree, and it, and, and it didn't look like it was going to heal any waters. But Moses bent off, he, he bent down, and he cut down that tree. He killed that tree. And that illustrates how the Lord Jesus Christ did not look like he could save people from their sins. As a matter of fact, the Lord Jesus Christ didn't look very impressive at all when it says about him in Isaiah 53. 2, Isaiah 53, 2 says, he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form, no comeliness. And when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. No beauty that anyone would desire him. But for those who looked beyond his outward appearance, they saw in him, John 1.14, John 1.14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. They saw the glory of God in him. They saw that he was full of grace and truth. They saw in him what God had caused them to see when he commanded, according to 2 Corinthians 4, 6, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, when God commanded light to shine out of darkness. Shine in the hearts. Give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. They saw the glory of God in his face. The tree was revealed to Moses, just as the cross is revealed to us. Moses goes over to the tree in its growth, cuts it down. Moses killed the tree, just like the Lord Jesus was killed, Isaiah 53.8, Isaiah 53.8, when it says, he was taken from prison from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken, just like the tree was cut off from the land of the living. The Lord Jesus was cut off. And just like the tree made the bitter water sweet, The Lord Jesus took the bitterness of our sins away. He was cut off, as it says in Daniel 9.26. After threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. In John 11.49, John 11.49 is when Caiaphas, the, the high priest at that time, named Caiaphas, being the high priest the same year, said unto them, you know nothing at all, nor consider that it's expedient for us that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation perished not. And this he spake not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation. See, Caiaphas, what did he say? One man should die for the people so that the whole people perish not. Just like one tree should be killed to make all these bitter waters sweet for all the people so they could not die of thirst. Here was a tree, all alone, cut off, so that all the people could live by drinking the waters that were healed. Here was the Lord, all alone, cut off, 
so that all could live eternally by being healed from their sins. Now, notice how the wording is in verse 25, verse 25, Exodus 15, 25, 15, 25. He cried unto the Lord, the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute. Notice those words, a tree when he had cast into the waters. The tree was cast, and then it healed the waters. It was cast. Now, then you go down to verse 26, verse 26, and at the end he says, I am the Lord that healeth thee. But wait a minute, the tree healed the waters, but then the Lord said, I am the Lord that healed thee. But wait a minute, the tree was cast into the waters, but the Lord said, I am the Lord that heals thee. That means that, that means that the tree is like the Lord. The tree heals our souls by taking the bitter end out of us and replacing our bitter end with the sweetness of his eternal life, the Lord in us. He heals our souls. He, 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 he makes God no longer see the bitterness of our sins, but he sees the sweet covering of the righteousness of Christ when he looks at us. And the waters were made sweet in verse 25. It illustrates what the Lord does for us. It says in Ephesians 1.6, Ephesians 1.6, he hath made us accepted in the beloved. We made accepted in the beloved. And, and who is the beloved? In, in Matthew 17, 5, the Lord, God the Father said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That's what the cross does. The cross does what the tree did. The cross changes the bitter to the sweet. As we look at him in, in Hebrews 12, 3, Hebrews 12, 3, we consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners against himself. What changes the bitter into sweet is when we love to accept the will of God. And that's what's so important was we see this word cast into the waters. It wasn't placed into the waters. It wasn't floated on the waters. It was cast into the waters. And that's a very important term because it says in Matthew eight twelve, the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping of teeth, weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Isaiah 53.10, it says this idea of being cast. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, so that thou, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Then God sees his seed, prolongs his day. So what have we seen? What we've seen here is that after the Passover night of salvation for Israel, they were saved from the angel of death. Israel had these continual needs. They didn't, it, it went on and on. After conversion, we have continual needs. We have continual needs. Israel had a need to be continually fed. We have a need to keep our souls nourished with our daily feeding of the word of God, as seen in the illustration of the, of the manna. Israel had a continual attack from Amalek. We have a continual attack of our flesh that we have to constantly defeat by prayer, hands held up. After conversion, we have a continual need for healing, like these waters, a continual need for cleansing from our sins. We have to come again and again to the tree of the cross to make the bitter sweet while we confess our sins, as it says in 1 John 1.8, 1 John 1.8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, then he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Do you have fatigue or trouble getting out of bed or just getting through the day? Are you so tired you can't focus? Do you feel like your life is drained away? Do you have fibromyalgia headaches? I have good news for you. Our doctors at Scanabody's Imaging and Therapy can give you cellular ozone therapy. Why not get your energy back now by calling us at 1-888-529-9016 or visit us at treatmyfatigue.com. 